Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, well, we are uh, excited for the truth we're going to dive into today, but before we do, thought it'd be good just to pause and celebrate some, uh, I love his church family moments that have been happening around us, and I know in each one of our families we have moments that are just uh, a, a God moment, celebration moments, but um, the scripture says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, and so rejoicing with the Dial family had a one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities Molly, who plays in the Brownsburg marching band, uh, played in the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving morning. Isn't that awesome? And it's a family event. Scott, Tina, Brittany, and where's Brandon? Did you guys leave him at home? He's in college, slugging it out, but uh, (laughs) he was there in spirit. But uh, isn't that a neat uh, opportunity? And just celebrating celebrating with them, and and, uh, and then thinking about... uh, Joy and the kids, uh, just so grateful for little Berkeley Humphrey, who is officially in the house with two brothers watching over him, but thankful for um, just seeing Michael and Sid through through this and excited for, uh, for him being a part of our church family. And then speaking of births, today is Doug Huff's 49th birthday. So those of you who know him, be sure to text him and um, just say, hey, enjoy this final year, this side of 50. But also, if um, Doug and Jonelle have been an important part of our church family through the years. Doug growing up here in, in our church and just faithfully serving. But as I think about, often I've thought, man, I'd love to have him come share his work as worship story. And Doug, um, about 10 years ago, we were having a conversation. He was running the, uh, a construction company, and, but felt like there was something, a dream God had put on his heart that he wasn't quite accomplishing. And he has a creative side, a, a business entrepreneurial side, and he was about ready to just shove off and like, let's go chase this dream. And watching he and Jonelle do that prayerfully, but also taking risks and just going for it where they said, well, how can we bless our community? Let's go get the diner, which is closed on way down on Route 40 in Plainfield, and let's put it on a truck and let's carry that diner through town, plop it right there by the park where families and friends can gather and have moments. And the Oasis Diner um, was birthed and is growing and um, has been a blessing to our community. And and just neat picture of him seeing work as worship and um, doing that. They're about to start another uh, restaurant. They're in Plainfield. And so praying for them as as they get ready to embark on that voyage. And when I mentioned birthday, we need to make sure we don't leave anyone out. Is anyone else's birthday today? Looking out, we can sing to you. I know it's Kirsten Johnson's birthday, and she's one of our daughters in the Lord, and she's at Purdue wrapping up finals, so we can be praying for her, but just thankful for her life as well. Another I love is church highlight moment. This past week, just overwhelmed by God's provision, your generosity in our Thanksgiving offering total is now at now $87,000, and above and beyond. This, yeah, that's a thank you, Lord, but... What's neat about this is it allows us to knock down every one of our compassion initiatives that we had listed and give a chunk of, uh, on our, towards our loan, our Love Makes Rooms facility expansion loan, which we're praying in January we'll be able to 
to make a payment that will put us under a million dollars on that loan. And, and to be able to pay that off in the next two years is our prayer. And so, the, uh, also, just neat this season, seeing everybody connecting. And I know there's lots of different small group parties going on, but I appreciate our women's ministry, Janae and Tam, and those who are involved in uh, creating our Christmas party here. It was neat. That same, that was last weekend, and we had men's groups hiking. Um, Bob Curran leading a group of guys. We had men's, uh, uh, Jesse Vondershar taking a group of guys mountain biking, and just all the different ways that, that we see the body connecting. We have uh, our basketball ministry, and congrats to the team. This is our middle school team that won, but looking at this, just so thankful for our coaches, for uh, Wes and uh, Clayton and leading this. Yesterday, we had our basketball, uh, it's our draft day, and our bas- high school basketball league filled up in like three days, and just neat opportunity to love on these guys and love them towards Christ, and appreciate everyone who's, who's pulling on the rope with that. And then this week officially ends our mowing season, Lord willing. We had our last mow, and, uh, and Eric would want me to tell you it starts our uh, snow shoveling season, if anyone wants to be a part of that, but uh, you can let Eric know. But, but just wanted to thank, I don't, those of you who mow lawn, mow grass, it didn't stop growing this summer, and yet our team just kept going, keeping our campus looking beautiful, and I wanted to just um, give a I let you know their names, but Levi Yole leads this team, and then there's seven others, um, Mitch Delamarter, Brad Legan, Aaron Bickle, Al Dodson, Reed Blair, L.D. Farr, and Jeremy Fusler, and so appreciate those guys and giving of their time. The, uh, as a family, we rejoice together, uh, Romans calls us to re- rejoice with those who rejoice, but also mourn with those who mourn, and this past week was a, a sad week for our community, and on uh, Monday night, we the accident on Cartersburg Road, and two of, they claimed the life of two of our young people, and many of you know the, the families, the, um, Bryce King and Abby uh, Skyboha, and that night, God appointed uh, Tyson to be there with the, Pastor Tyson to be there with the King family, and one of the Jobs of being a pastor that we least like, but also we most um, honor, and that that's a sacred place to be with the family as they grieve. And uh, thankful for him being there with them, and thankful for you just uh, surrounding these this family in care. And they asked Tyson to oversee the memorial service yesterday, and uh, many of you helping out, um, providing a, a funeral meal just to love on the family and, and the snacks and just uh, as I was thinking about, you know, the joys of life or in one day you can have the great joys but then the great sorrows but through it all we have the body of Christ. We have Christ but his presence expressed through his body and thank you for being making our community faith family an outpost of heaven. Well today as we, uh, in this Christmas season as we Think about his kingdom coming. Our goal is to see God's kingdom coming in real time and then to seek it as we, as we see it. And so the question we're chasing each week is, um, in what way is his kingdom coming? Like, what are the realities or the marks of his kingdom? And last week we looked at his kingdom being um, love, but today there, there's a word that Jesus used to describe when he was telling, last week there was a guy who discovered the, this treasure that represented the kingdom of God. And do you remember the emotion that he used to describe this guy's discovery? 
Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who discovers a treasure in his field, and when he had found it, he went and in his joy sold everything, and he bought that field. And so the, the mark of the kingdom of God, one of the defining marks is joy. The, uh, I was thinking, the, uh, oh, sorry, I'm losing my, uh, Losing my place. I'm back, though. <laughs> Early in life, I discovered the, the joy of all of us. We are made by God, created, um, wonderfully made, uh, Psalm 139 says. But we're made to, uh, and we're saved by Him, redeemed by Him as we trust Jesus as our Savior, and we're shaped by Him, spiritual gifts and all these things, to join Him in His work, in His redemptive work here on earth. And this is what makes life meaningful, isn't it? And the great purpose that gets us up in the morning, like God has a, reason, a purpose for me today. And as a young man, I remember awakening to this. I was reading the book, Ordering Your Private World, when I realized, and there's a difference between living driven and living called. Pride drives us, love calls us. And when we begin to live called, um, it's just like you want to figure out how can I live this day to the best of my ability for the Lord. And you realize that energy is the driver, right? I mean, so how can I maximize my energy so that I can live out the calling God's given me? So, and that includes um, how I eat, how I drink, how I sleep, how I, you know, fitness. It includes soul care, all these things. And so I began a journey early on saying, okay, Lord, how do I maximize? It's kind of a game. It's fun. It's joy-filled. It's not driven. But how can I maximize my energy for your glory. So throughout the years, I've had several, many mentors, the scripture being the primary one, but, but looking at other people, other humans, and like, how do you figure out to maximize your energy? And these mentors are both alive and dead. One of the dead ones is John Wooden, great basketball coach. And he coached and led with this philosophy or with this conviction. The win is in the details. It's in the little things. So he would give his team a speech. Here's how you put on a sock. You know how to put on a sock. No, this is important. If you put on a sock in a wrong way, it forms a blister, and that blister affects your movement, and when you need to guard a player when he's cut into the hole, you, you hesitate, and there's two points, there's the game, there's the championship. The win is in the details. I'm like, all right, I like that. So, so what are the details in diet, and fitness, and, and uh, sleep, and all these things? And one of the, it became really an energy uh, maximizing plan in my life, and one of the important parts of my energy maximizing plan is one cup of coffee, the same amount of coffee every morning. Chemical consistency, all right? So, man, when it's, and, and I have this green cup. It, it has Christmas trees on the side of it, but it's, I've been drinking coffee out of this cup for years. And, and it's, I, I fill it to the brim, and then I sip it down there at the counter, and this is Tam putting up with her husband for all these years. And then I carry it over to the, the countertop where I, uh, or the island where I have my daily meeting with, with God, coffee with the Lord. Get ready to go. So now, now that you understand that that's setting the scene, you can understand my pain on Wednesday morning of this week when I could not find my green cup. I shout, first thing, who stole my cup? Tam's like, I don't know. I looked in the uh, cab cupboard, it wasn't there. Looked in the dishwasher, it wasn't there. It wasn't anywhere around the kitchen. I checked the other rooms of the house. My green cup was gone. Maximum energy is on the line. What am I going to do? I stop and retrace my 
steps from the previous day, Tuesday. Where was I in the morning? Well, it's trash day. I, I had gone out into the garage to take the trash out, but surely I wouldn't have carried my coffee out there. But anyway, I ran out the, the uh, garage door, and to my delight, there on my workbench was the green cup that someone put there. <laughs> but the greatest shock was what I saw when I walked over to that cup and what was in it. Do you know when I walked over to this cup, there was a quarter cup of coffee left undrunk. Like, no way. That explains Tuesday. <laughs> Man, it's an important day. I, it's a day I need energy. It's meetings, important meetings. And the whole day I am running at 78% energy level. Man, so mad. <laughs> Here's the thing, you guys. God created us to live with a soul full of joy. Why does it matter? Because joy is the energy that drives life mission. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in his kingdom, this is our inheritance. As his children, as his citizens, he calls us, created us, invites us to live with a soul full of joy. Remember Nehemiah, the people found the law of God back in the, the exile, Israel and they're going through a season of confession and grieving, which was appropriate. But then he's like, guys, it's time to stop grieving. And notice what he says there in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says, go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites, the worship leaders, come to all the people saying, be still, for this is a holy day, not to grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with what kind of joy? And we're going to do, we're going to be all over scripture today looking at joy sightings. As you do, notice what kind of joy God calls us to live with and invites us, makes possible. It's great joy. Um, because they now understood the words of the Lord, which have been made known to them. And so the, uh, the danger, and today is, think about the burden of this message is, I think we all face this danger and struggle with this, is that we would live the day full of the challenges and opportunities that God places before us, running on less than a full soul of joy. And if we do, we lack the energy to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. We don't want to leave joy in the cup, all right? That's the, the burden of it. So how do, we, uh, how do we experience kingdom joy? Our goal is to see it as a possibility, talk through that, and then to seek it with all of our heart. And we'll do so by following three questions through Scripture. The first is, what is joy? The second is, where do we see it in Scripture? King, uh, joy sightings. And then the third is, how do we actually experience the joy that God makes possible? So first, what is it? Here's a, a standard definition or a dictionary definition. And it is this. Joy is an emotion of great delight caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Now, we read that and say, okay, that's accurate with my life, but is there a difference between dictionary joy and biblical joy? And the answer is yes, huge difference. And here's a shot at kingdom joy or biblical joy that God calls us to. Joy is an emotion of great delight dependent on who Jesus is rather than my current circumstances. So we know that when we come to faith in Christ, we trust Jesus as our Savior. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and we, uh, 
Second fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. That was last week's mark. The second fruit is joy. And you think about, I was thinking about the moment I was reborn. I was five years old at the time. But one of the just emotions that marks that scene when we realize we've been forgiven. And it's joy, isn't it? But then this is a, to be a constant or to be a, a continual in our lives. We practice joy or learn to practice joy as we, by, through faith, in the presence, the promised presence of, of our Lord and all the other promises that he gives us. And we, uh, one of the places that we see God giving us, he is the source of our joy, is Romans 15, 13, as it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. And notice again, the word before joy. How much joy? Like 78% joy? No, may he fill you with all joy and peace. But where does this joy and peace flow from? As you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see David doing this in Psalm 16, verse 11, His, uh, as he looks with the eyes of faith to the Lord. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, 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 because my eyes are on him, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And so joy is the atmosphere of his kingdom. It's the, the vibe. It's the emotion of the kingdom of God. And for us, as we follow him, joy is the carbohydrate of our soul. It's, the, it's what fuels life mission, which leads us to another question. Okay, if this is the case, where do we see it throughout Scripture? And this is biblical theology is picking a theme and then tracking it through scripture, and we, ha- we don't have time to, to share all the joy sightings, but around the story of Christmas, the coming of Christ, we see joy sighting after joy sighting. I'll share five um, this morning, and the first is at our Lord's coming as the angels celebrate, and as our kids helped us celebrate earlier, Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause, what kind of joy? Great joy. The Greek word is mega joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then as Jesus grows and gathers with his disciples in the shadow of the cross, even in that sad moment or hard moment, we see joy. John 15, verse 11, Jesus, this is the heart of his talk with them, and He's been giving them the command, saying, guys, remain in me, abide in me. The way you do that is obey my command. My command is love one another. But here's why I'm telling you this, John 15, 11. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Are you feeling the enormity of this? What kind of joy does God make possible? It's his joy. God being the most joyful being in the universe, Jesus being the most joyful being that ever lived because he had no sin to drain that joy, we get to, like, he's saying, this is possible. This can be yours. Two other times in John uh, 13 to 17, he says, speaks to this joy that's available for us. And then we see this joy at the resurrection reunion. A couple pages over there from uh, John 15 to John 20, uh, The disciples are are huddled in the upper room. It says, 19, on the evening of that first day, 
when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed. I love the way John's grasping for words. Like it wasn't just like joy. It was like it's joy overflowing out of their, uh, their souls at the presence of Christ. Another joy sighting. And then we see, okay, Jesus ascends to heaven. He says, wait in Jerusalem till you receive the gift. When the gift of the Holy Spirit comes, how do you describe the birth of the church and the birth of every new believer in Christ? It's joy. We see it in Acts 2, verse 46, where he says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I love that picture of the early church just with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Tough times for him, yes, but, and uh, Paul, as he describes his ministry, one of the things he describes it as, I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Um, it's possible to live both through hard times with this joy that's from the Lord. And then the fifth, uh, which leads into the fifth joy sighting, and this is the good one for us, as you do life, where do we see joy in the new covenant? And as we follow him, we see it in the presence of every trial that we face, followers of Jesus Christ face on our journey home. James points to this in James chapter 1 as he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then James, or, uh, Peter echoes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, 6, where he says, in all this, you, um, how do we rejoice? It's like, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And I'll read on. He says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so this is just a sampling of joy sightings throughout Scripture. To, uh, to illustrate the fact that joy is a defining mark of his kingdom. But it brings us to this last question. Okay, how do we experience it? If this is a possibility, it's a part of his kingdom, how do we live in this joy that, that he promises to us? The answer is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So, Joy here becomes an imperative, interesting, where he's calling us to, to command, choose joy, to which we say, how when my circumstances are going up and down and, and I'm not feeling joy, it's not the emotion I'm experiencing, how do we actually experience and live in the joy that God promises in his kingdom as we live as kingdom citizens? The answer is one word. Did you notice it in this text? It's one word that changes everything. One word that, that opens the door to a life of joy. The secret to joy is found in one word. You see what it is? It's Lord. It's Lord. 
He says, rejoice in the Lord. And when he says Lord, what, what does that, what do we see? Here it is. If he is sovereign Lord over all that has been, all that is, all that will be, and, and he is Lord, a Lord who is love, if we know him, if he is with us, if, he, if his promises are true, and he is Lord, able to fulfill those promises, then joy can be a constant. The word Lord is significant in that it also means literally master. It assumes our surrender to him. And so what is the secret to joy? It's saying, okay, in every circumstance, every moment of my life, one, I see you as Lord, sovereign Lord over that. There is nothing outside his lordship from the fall of a raindrop to the fall of an empire to my next breath. He is sovereign in his love over that and I am living surrendered fully to that. I'm saying your will be done. The moment we try to grab our life and control this situation, be lord of this situation, guess guess what leaves our soul? Joy. It's gone. And guess what enters? anxiety and stress and fear. Why? Because we make horrible lords. We aren't strong enough. We aren't big enough to control our lives. And Jesus says, hey guys, 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 walk through this kingdom door. Live in this kingdom door today. But can I trust you? Can I trust you? Oh yeah. And this walk into the kingdom of God is a walk of faith, little by little, learning to live with him as sovereign Lord and fully surrendered. Every arena of my life, it's yours. And the result is joy. Can I get an amen from somebody who's tasted some of that? <laughs> but, man, don't you hate it those days? You're like, God made all this available, and yet I, I was living on 78% of a soul full of joy. I was freaking out about this thing because I was trying to be Lord of it. He says, that's all right. So what do we do? What's the answer? How do we live in our everyday lives and so imperfectly to live in this joy? Three practices God gives us in his word. Confession, celebration, and surrender. Confession, celebration, and surrender. And so the first practice is just constant or daily confession. When we realize that we've um, drifted from him or we're seeking to be Lord of our own lives, we confess that to him, we call, it's calling our sin what it is, rebellion against him, and, can, and then saying, Lord, help me turn from this and, and follow you. The danger I've found in my own heart and as I counsel others is there's something in, in us humans where we want to minimize, rationalize, excuse our sin or compare our sin to others and make ourselves seem not so, uh, not so bad. And the thing is, any place there is sin. It's a joy drain. It just saps the joy out of our soul. And so confession isn't to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's rather to help us have pure hearts that fill up with joy so that we can go live the life that God created us to live. And so the calling to this is throughout scripture, but um, we see it in Psalm 32. encourage you to read that. And David describes pre-confession. He feels like his bones are rotting. But then the joy of post-confession in Psalm 51 he, uh, he says this, and this is a prayer that we can carry with us. He says, create in me a pure heart, a heart that wants one thing, the will of God. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Here's the verse. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit 
to sustain me. And the joy of confession, of just realizing God is faithful to confess this, and we're right before him, and then we have this joy to carry on. So what do we do next? Celebration. This is where we resolve to celebrate that he is Lord over all and that he's got my life. He's going to see, see me through this day, and I can trust him. And so we celebrate all we have in Christ. This is, I love the picture. Do you guys want to stage a revolution of joy? You know, in a dark place, in a world that's, there's despair, it's, it's like we're going to dance on the Egyptian side of the Red Sea or Jehoshaphat a couple weeks ago, but before the, the deliverance comes, we're singing. And all throughout the Psalms, you see the psalmist saying that, I will praise the Lord. Psalm 66, verse 1 and 2, where he just shouts this, shout for joy to God, all the earth, sing the, uh, the glory of his name. And it's just, as his people, as citizens of his kingdom, we do this every Sunday when we gather, but in your own faith journey, it's just deciding, you know what? I'm not going to focus on the mess. I'm going to focus on the maker. And yeah, it's a mess down here, and we got to fix that thing, but my focus is on the maker. And I'm not going to look at what's wrong in the world or all around me. I'm going to look at him whose name is wonderful. And when I feel the grumble coming up to complain about this, that, the other, I'm going to squelch it and give thanks for all that is right in my life. This is why the habits of daily meeting with God and, and a weekly withdrawal or Sabbath with him is so important. In the grind of life, we can just get focused on the the negatives, you know, and, and that daily meeting with God is a time to stop, rest in Him, and delight in Him and the gifts of life. And it's like, man, and Sabbath is where you take an extended time to do that. Enjoy the gifts that, that He's given. I've shared this before, but um, Sabbath, it, it's, uh, this past week it was my, my drink of choice is uh, Diet Cherry 7-Up. I became addicted back in high school. Love that stuff. And uh, blame that on my mom. I was addicted to Mountain Dew. And so she's, she's like, hey, try this Diet Cherry 7-Up. I love it ever since. But the tragic thing, um, first, or uh, yeah, not really, but COVID took out Diet Cherry 7-Up. For two years, I didn't have it. It was rough. But uh, <laughs> it was a wonderful day a couple weeks ago when Diet Cherry 7-Up shows up at Kroger again. Took it home this past Monday. I take a, a clear glass, a clear mug so I can see it, but it's, I pour it in, uh, and this is on Sabbath. And I don't do this any other day of the week because I'm just going, grinding. But I pour this stuff in, and it's just like, Lord, that's awesome. The bubble's coming up, and I can see this. And, and I listen to it. Like, it, sounds like it sounded like a thousand uh, uh, icicles dropping or something. Listening to that fizz. And then I'm like, man, and I can hear. Thank you for my hearing. And then I sat down at our kitchen table, the sun coming in, and I took a sip. And it's like, ah, this is awesome. I can taste. Many of us lost that through COVID, but it's just so wonderful to taste. And then the other joy on my Sabbath was that, that I have a wife who's so wonderful. Like, I'm, man, all throughout the week, I'm just, we're kind of passing each other. But then it's like, Lord, you gave me this girl who, amazing. And, and okay, where was all that in the, the other six days? It's all there. But just taking that time to, to rest in him, stop the rush, rest, and then just delight, enjoy all that he's given us. And I think the father enjoys that. When your kids enjoy life, do you enjoy that? That's our joy, and I think when you choose joy and choose to delight in the good gifts of God, 
God, that he enjoys that. He delights in, in your joy and is glorified in your joy. Do those good gifts become idols? And Nope, and we always have to guide, guard against that, but, but it's the practice of celebration. And then the third practice is that of surrender. So this is where we, as we look out, we say, okay, we confess, we celebrate, but now as I go do, to, go do what God's called me to do, I do so with my hands open and following your lead, Lord. And the prayer here is, your will be done. My hopes and my dreams, my times are in your hands. I trust you as my sovereign Lord. So bringing it all together, the good news today is the kingdom of God is coming in real time. And the hope is that you would see and seek the joy of his kingdom. You say, how? How do we do that? Confession, celebration, and surrender as we follow our king. The... uh, Next time somebody asks you, hey, are you, a ha- are you a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person? What, what are we thinking? Now, we may not say this out loud, but what are we thinking? I'm not a glass half full or glass half empty. I'm a glass overflowing with what? With the joy that God has given us because my king is alive. He is sovereign over all, and he is love. There will be days when we fail, and we're going to have those Wednesday mornings when we look back and realize, man, Okay, I lived this day, 78%, um, failed to make the most of this past day, and, and we're frustrated, and we have some regret. What do we do in those moments? And we don't get down, we, we just carry on. We say, all right, tomorrow I resolve to live with a soul full of joy. I'm going to drink the cup of joy as I confess, celebrate, and surrender in following Christ. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. One unlikely witness to call to the stand in in pursuing this kingdom joy is a guy named Habakkuk, and he was a prophet who God sent to tell his people that judgment was coming. But check this out, last last chapter of Habakkuk, and he's describing what he's feeling and what's going to happen when judgment comes. But listen to what he says, Habakkuk 3.17 says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, basically he's describing economic meltdown for the nation, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. And here it comes. How how can he have this joy? Watch this. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. Our kingdom inheritance as his children is to live with a soul full of joy, and may God give us the grace to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Jesus, thank you for coming to make your joy a possibility for us, and we struggle to live in it, but we pray today that through your word, you would... Equip us and inspire us to to live with a soul full of joy. Lord, help us to confess. And even in these moments, we confess the ways that we have tried to be Lord of our own life. And we surrender to you. Help us to celebrate, to focus on not what is wrong, but on all that is wonderful that you have given us, ultimately on you. And then, Lord, help us to live surrendered to you, praying your will be done. we, uh, we look forward to the joy of just being with you in a perfect place, a perfect God, a perfect place with a perfect people one day. But in the meantime, help us to, to live as a testimony to you, your joy. We 
and love you and thank you for just our church family, Lord, letting us have this time together to worship. And I pray blessing over each family here today. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.